This is Wandering Wanders, two ordinary guys wondering about extraordinary things. That's that's how I'm trying to make it happen to get me a big buck. So far, highly ineffective. Well, I, actually, what I find funny about that is that every time you've seen a giant buck, it's been in a situation where you can't. I can't get it. You can't shoot it. Tell me about it. I know. Which I, makes me wonder if maybe your prayers are being answered. But in a way that you don't want them to ex- ex- so. Yes, but like, okay, listen, I'm very specific in my prayers for a reason. Because I want them to be answered in an arrow through a big buck, not just seeing a big buck on the horizon. Well. But why is this better? Why is it better? Because I have to trust that it's better somehow. But why is this what's better? That's what I don't understand. Like, God, why is it not good for me? And I think it's partially because... I expect it to be so satisfying. And I, you know, I know from things like duck hunting, yeah. like I'm sitting there like, man, if I could get just one, and as soon as a duck, you know, drops, I'm like, ooh, if we could just get just two. And it's like instantly not satisfying. Yeah. Like what, what I thought would satisfy me instantly not. And so I feel like part of that is I have a lot of expectation in the deer being super satisfying. Yeah. But I also know it's not going to be. So I'm like, God, I know it. I get it. <laughs> I th- kind of at least mentally, not emotionally, but you know, I don't know who can plumb the mind of God. We can try, and we do. <laughs> yes, sir. And we're back, <laughs> folks, from a long hiatus. Long three, hiatus. Three weeks. That's we had all sorts of things. First, we just had em- emotional turmoil, yeah, angst, angst. Then mm-hmm. we had. Uh, I don't know. Was it work? I worked. No, the last I think it was time. two weeks of angst. We had a two no. week. No, the second week had more of a. Yes, there was definitely angst the second week too, but it was that wasn't the reason we didn't do it two really? weeks ago. I yeah, I don't. I was gone. Where was I gone? Or I couldn't do it for some reason. But then oh, know, Ethan came in. That's Ethan what it was. came. That's Ethan what came it was. That was good. That yeah. wasn't angsty. That was very You're good. Right. Okay, and then last week I worked, and this week we are finally doing it again. Here we are. We're back. I'm Joseph. And I'm Eli. And this is Wondering, Wondering Wonders. Yeah. That was good. I was hoping that would be like a cool unison thing. <laughs> I, I really want to like theme music to come in suddenly, which would have been Wondering. in Creed. <laughs> it, just, it does it on its own somehow. God blesses the computer to play. Out. Oh, gosh. Um, I have a question. So oh, thank God. Because you've... I was sitting here for a long time and I couldn't really come up with anything good. So every week, Ryan and Eli... Oh, go to Jasper. Yeah, and uh, they go to a famous "quote unquote" sandwich ah, shop McAllister's. named McAllister's. Yeah, um, to try every sandwich that they have on the menu. That's yep. the goal, I think. Yeah, <laughs> as I've well, I think Ryan's <laughs> given up on that. Okay, uh, Ryan's a very particular person. He's he 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 was excited about that goal at first, and I'm still excited about that. He's still it excited about shared. McAllister's, <laughs> but he started get he started getting. The same sandwich over mm. again. He's done it twice now. He found a good sandwich. That's what it he is. He found a good sandwich. And, you know, that's all right with me. Um, but I'm still going for trying a different sandwich every time. So here's my question. Yes. We had a debate over the summer as to what kind of restaurant people we were. Because there seems to be 
and this is probably, there's probably more than this, but there seem to be two main types of restaurant goers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those who find a restaurant and go back to that restaurant and get what they like. Yeah. Or those who either find a restaurant and go back and try something new or eat a restaurant once and then just keep trying different restaurants. Yeah. Where do you fall? Definitely the second one. Now, there's restaurants where I'll go back to and get the same thing every time because it's, it's just the best. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> well, you know, actually, I always, I always give the classic chicken sandwich a, a shot, even though I like the spicy better. Mm. In my mind, I think, but what if the classic's better? And I almost it's not. always get it's not. It's not. It's, it's not. not. Every time I, you're almost surprised. always get one. <laughs> it's like a... So I also do this thing where I, I, uh, I feel bad for inanimate objects. Mm. So like, I'm like the spicy's better, but you know like. That poor I don't want to original. just reject the classic yeah, chicken yeah. sandwich just because it didn't get the spice. Exactly. So I'm like, I should give it. A, I, you gotta give it a shot. So you know, I'm a very empathetic person, and so I feel I feel for the, the inanimate object. Yeah. Same with like, I remember when I was at Coast Guard, the tabernacle key. I would switch <laughs> out because I thought we always use this one. This one never gets used. Poor little bugger. Poor little guy. Uh huh. Nice. So um, yeah. So but. Yeah. Uh, anyways, back to the real question. Uh, yeah, I am. I love trying new restaurants. Mm-hmm. Like for the most part, I would rather go to a new restaurant that I don't know if it's good than go back to a restaurant that I like. Now, there's days where I'm very much hankering for a specific food. Yeah. But I'm all about the thrill. All about the thrill trying new things. So. I agree with that. What about you, Bert? Bless you. Bless you. Um, Excuse me. Yeah, I'd say I fall pretty similar to that. Um, it, like, even over the summer, like, we found a coffee shop that we loved. And every time we went back, because it was the place that we loved, um, I would almost always order something different. Yeah. Because otherwise, I feel like you fall into this trap of, well, I found something good, and it's great, and I know it's going to be great, but there could be something better (laughs) yeah yeah and i don't want to miss out on that no no and it turned out over the summer there were things that were better than the first thing oh really so So it paid off oh yes because you're taking a risk either way absolutely there's there's risk in it all and thus hopefully reward but you know it doesn't always work like that like there's definitely times where i'm trying to i feel like there's a specific restaurant in my taste buds that i'm thinking of but uh, but there's a restaurant that I feel like I go to and there's something that I know is best, but I try other things and every time oh, that, I think... that was I Chick-fil-A. No. <laughs> you know that, okay, that that's original true. chicken But no, sandwich. I feel like there's some sort of Asian restaurant somewhere, but I always think, man, oh, I regret this. I should have yeah. just gotten the General Tso's chicken or mm. something. You know? that, that's definitely an example. Yeah. General Tso's is always the best. And so... I disagree yeah. with that, but... Well, it's you okay. have a right to be wrong. I have a right to a better opinion. <laughs> it hurt. All right. You, uh, pray us in. <laughs> All right. That's, uh, yeah, I'll pray us in. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Teach us how to pray. Conform our hearts to the heart of Christ. Wounded, open it up to the whole world. Help us to love with your love. To give ourselves entirely in the service of the church. We ask this in Christ's name and through the intercession of our Blessed Mother Mary. 
as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Pope Leo the Great. Pray for us. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You got me. I gotcha! I I knew it was coming too. I tried to get the Hail Mary in there fast, but I was a little bit too slow. That's okay. You'll have that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All right. So, a couple weeks ago, was it the last one we did, Simplicity? Um, I don't think so. I don't know what the last one we did. It seems like three weeks. (laughs) It seems like three weeks was so long ago. Literal Um, lifetime. Yep. I guess it would technically be four weeks. This is the the fourth week, but we're doing it, so we missed three weeks. So four weeks ago, um, sometime we talked about simplicity, and we thought, you know, Mm. we went through one of the priest promises. Eli thought this, not I, me. I thought, I'm not that I, creative. I thought, I thought with Joseph, what, maybe we should just do another one. Why not obedience? Fair. And I got to say, I think, you know, oftentimes I find that when I, people are asking, especially because, you know, I'm in Indiana. So people say, oh, why'd you choose to come to Indiana all the time? When I tell them, like, I'm at seminary in Indiana. I get that frequently. Yeah. And I'm always like, oh, I didn't. I have no choice in the matter. Yeah. And they're like. What? You didn't get to choose? And yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, and I'm not going to choose where I'm going to be for the rest of my life also. I'll be in Vermont. and Except I, for the fact that you're in uh, Vermont. You know? ex- yeah, yeah which, but I'll be, I'll is, be wherever yeah. the bishop tells me to go. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they're like, huh? and, but I, the thing that gets me is I always feel like I have to justify it by saying, well, but, like, if there's something that really wouldn't be good fit for me, then, I, you know, I could tell Bishop, and he could take that in consideration. And that's true, hmm. but it's weird to me that I feel like I need that justification. Really? Yeah. yeah. But Because, like, I can't just leave it at, oh, yeah, I'll go wherever the Bishop tells me. Because hmm. I feel like people are like, hmm, that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um... yeah. Do you feel that? Well, I, I've gotten that question before, but I guess I've never, I guess I've never justified it though, or I've felt the need to justify it. Yeah, it's it's been like a. That's the way it is. Yeah, I mean, like I'll get to live and die in Alabama, you know. And what more could you want? <laughs> and I have and I have said that yeah. <laughs> to people, and they're like, yeah. oh, "Oh, all right." I mean, are you okay with that? You know, and it's yeah. like, well, yeah, I can't imagine. Really being anywhere else. Yeah, because oftentimes people ask, like, well, what if you wanted to leave? Oh, I have gotten that one before. And I'm like, well, I mean, like, you could. (laughs) That's exactly. I mean, but why? Yeah. (laughs) Like, I've made this commitment. Okay, well, what if you get married and you want to leave your marriage? Well, I guess that's the thing that happens now. But, um, yeah. Well, that was like a, that was a big kind of hinge question for me when I first joined Focus. Uh, cause focus was like a, well, you sign up and they tell you where you're going yeah. and uh, you just kind of take it as a matter of obedience that if God has called you to focus, then he's called you to go wherever they tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, uh, and I found that like to be a really frustrating line of argument when I first joined. And then when I experienced it, it was like this tremendous freedom. Why was that so frustrating to you? Well... Because I wanted to pick where I wanted to go. <laughs> like, what if I got a bad spot, you know? Yeah. I mean, 
Like, what if I got a sucky campus or, I don't know, I didn't get along with my team or mm. there was like so much that I had to leave up to someone's mm. arbitrary quote unquote choice, which it wasn't arbitrary, yep. but, um, but it felt like it to me, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, but then you said that was the most that freeing thing or was a very freeing thing. Oh, Why? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's, a, yeah, kind of the beauty of being able to lean into something, you know? Because, um, like, any choice you make, you can sort of second guess and be like, oh, well, you know, should I have... Yeah. Should it I have made that choice? Could have been better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or, ah, man, now that I know what I know, I should have... I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it really convicted me that, like, you know, I discerned this really well. Like, I, I, I'm confident that this is where God wants me to be. And if that is the case, then, like, their logic follows, you know? Yeah. So if, if God wants me to be a part of this organization, then he, like, he's calling me to be where they tell me to go. Yeah. And so I got there, and there were times it was difficult. There weren't many. It was, it was actually, like, a really really blessed situation, but, Mm. um, the times where it was difficult, it was like, well, you know, this is where the Lord wants me to be. And I didn't have a say in that. And it's all the better (laughs) for that. Yeah. Um, because I can't go back and sort of second guess and say, yeah, well, maybe I should have gone to X university or Y university. Yeah. 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 I thought for sure they were going to put me in the South somewhere. Yeah. And because like when I interviewed, I was like, uh, huh. That's what I do. That's how I evangelize. And, uh, Is that how you said it? That's how I said yeah. it. And I actually put on my resume, proficient in the use of many animal calls, on my, my focus resume. I put, don't hire me. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. I did not know that. And Are you that's serious? Funny. I haven't told you that. No. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, yeah. I put, please don't hire me. <laughs> It would make my discernment so much easier if you just told me no. Wow, I'm su- a little surprised they hired you. That's a risky business. So then they gave me an interview. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good. Okay, yeah, well, I wasn't put in the South. I was put at Coast Guard Academy. And so good for me. Learned that evangelization came from my relationship with God, not mm. the things that I was good at and loved to do best. So... Um, but yeah, obedience. Why is that one of the three things we're made to promise at priesthood? Why did, why do you think the church said, Ooh, I know let's, (laughs) let's make them be obedient. Well, I think all the, well, I think all of the vocations have something to do with obedience. Right? Like all of them require a submission of our will to another. Mm. Um, Right? So like marriage, you know, that, that union between husband and wife is a, is a subordination of the husband to the wife and the wife to the husband. Right? So um, yeah, there's absolutely an obedience there. Uh, And, and it follows too from holy orders. And then, you know, even with monastic life, to a to a further degree, yeah, you, know? you get a whole so, vow for that one. Um, so I don't think it's unique to the priesthood. 
because it's it. not. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> because I don't think not. so because that's the truth. Um, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I believe it to be there because it teaches us what it means to, to be a subordinate to the Father. Um, it allows us to essentially not become our own lowercase g gods. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's good. I, I like you said, uh, you know, with marriage, it's the, the submission of your will to the will of another. And I think that, uh, you know, obedience can get oversimplified and, you know, I, I do what they say. Yeah. You know? And it's, it's not just about, like, your acts. Because, for example, I think you could be very unobedient in a sense if you, like, let's say, just in, in the example of priesthood, like, you know, you get assigned to a parish and you don't think it's a good choice and you spend the rest of the time in your parish angry and mm-hmm. telling everybody mm-hmm. that it was a bad choice for you to be sent there. Yeah, that'd like, be terrible. That's not obedience. But you, technically, you did what the bishop said, you know, you went to that parish. But that's not a real submission of your will. Yeah. You know, the, well, I think it's more than submission. Like, it's submission and conformance. Right? So it's yeah. like this conformation, like a with formation. Yeah. So you're joining the two wills of two people. So I, I think, using the marriage analogy again, like, ideally what would happen is... Sure, there's there's interactions that you have in your marriage where it's like, well, I'm going to do this and I don't want to do this. Yeah. Um, but ideally, like, you would each be forming each other to where you have, this is very much so an ideal, but like a unified vision, like where you could will as one person kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, it's not two flesh but one. and. Yeah, and I think that the only way that that's really possible, I th- yeah, yeah, that's an ideal. Um, you can't just have, like, okay, I'm submissive to your will, you're submissive to my will. You need another will in there, <laughs> like you. Yeah. You need a perfect yeah, will, absolutely. which is like you're you are both submissive to the other in respect to the will of God. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think the better way to look at it then is the relationship between two parents and a child, right? Mm. So a lot of what the child sees growing up is a submission of their will to the parents, yeah. right? When ultimately what the parents are trying to do is to, to form their will yeah. so that they can, they can, I don't know, the phrase is we either become our parents or a reaction to them, right? Yeah. Like, but... So that ideally you would have children that sort of learn to will as their parents do, which is also why, you know, if you have no parents or bad parents, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's a bad situation. You yeah, know? So, it's so hard to um, get out of that. But I think all of that comes down to obedience and yeah. subordination and conformity. And, and I think all of those words have really negative connotations in, in our society today. Yeah. But, well, we're all about... Um, like you said, becoming our own little G gods. You know, yeah. we we are the arbiters of our fate. We, I mean, that's what we're taught. Yeah. If if you can dream it, you can do it. Yeah. Well, like, what if it? What if what you dream is wrong? <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> what if it's stupid? Yeah, exactly. Um, like for example, my little sister when she was a, a little kid, 
I mean, real little, maybe three. Uh, me and my brother were talking about what we wanted to be when we grew up, and we asked my little sister, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said, I want to be a chicken nugget. <laughs> You can't do that. It uh, doesn't matter how much you dream it. That ain't going to happen. No. Um, uh, but yeah, so I think that that's so countercultural to say like, okay, I am going to submit my will to that of another. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, and if you talk to people who have made official like vows to, I mean, you talk to marriage people, married people, but like priests and religious I remember one time I was asking this religious, lay religious guy, um, I said, how's, this is before I was in seminary, mm-hmm. I said, uh, how's celibacy? Is that hard? He said, nah, celibacy's, you know, gets pretty easy eventually. <laughs> he said, obedience. obedience. That's yeah. tough. Yeah. That's tough. And it's like, yeah, it's just so hard to give up that. Give up our own wills, yeah. you know, to say. Yeah. And then I think you, I remember when I was a focused missionary asking uh, newly married guys, like, uh, what, what did you not expect in marriage? And like, without talking to each other, they pretty much all said, I didn't realize how selfish I was. Mm. I mm-hmm. didn't realize how much I was going to have to give up, pretty yeah. much. And it's a lot. And so, you know, it's tough because we just, so, we're so used to, Doing our own will, even if our own will is to choose to serve others, yeah, we want it. You know, we want to do it our way, and so obedience. You know, in the <laughs> I'm gonna serve like this. Though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's so radical, yeah, it's so opposed to the culture, which is why it's so important to do it well. Yeah, yeah, we absolutely. we have to cut down that sacred tree of the culture, to use an analogy of Saint Boniface, nice. um, uh, of, of like. Your will is God. So I guess going along in the vein of what, what do you think the relationship between obedience and freedom is then? Mm. Um, I think, you know, I don't know how much we've talked about freedom for excellence and freedom of indifference in here, but uh, it, uh, you have to have a proper view of freedom because if we look at freedom as just the ability to make arbitrary choice of just like, you know, I want to choose whatever I want to the point where we even are eventually, you know, that turns into just even opposition to yourself. Like I shouldn't be restricting my own choice. Even if I want complete freedom, then I need no restrictions on what I choose. Um, If you look at it like that, then yeah, obedience is absolutely destroying freedom. But Mm -hmm. that freedom is destroying a lot of other good things, if that's your idea of freedom. Um, And I think that, you know, that's a very... Well, I mean, in in that context, like, any relationship makes no sense. Yeah. Right? I mean, once again, to go back to marriage, like, marriage makes no sense as soon as your two conflicting opinions sort of come up. Yeah. Then it's like, well, you're a restriction on what I want to do. Yeah. And I... Yeah, I mean, like, you have to have more to freedom than that. Or you have to have more to your relationship than, I guess, being able to make arbitrary choices. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and that's I think that our culture is very, like, our conscious idea of freedom is very much 
that arbitrary choice. Like I can I can shout America thinking that that gives me license to do whatever I want. You know? <laughs> like America, okay, I'm gonna burn something. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, it's it's the way we were raised. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, and 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 to some degree, like the reality in a lot of cases for at least for my childhood, like it was the context that we grew up in in school of like, what do you want to be? Like, what are your yeah. dreams? Like, you can do it if you work hard enough for it. Yeah. And like, yeah. um, all of, all of that freedom was situated in this idea of how do I maximize what I do now to be able to have, you know, the most successful, most lateral movement when I'm an adult, most like the freedom most whatever to I want. travel the world. And, yeah. you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's whatever I wanted to. It's and really ingrained. Buy a nice car and yeah, um, yeah. But it's uh, but that's not authentic freedom. <laughs> yeah, and that's what blows a lot of people's minds is like there's freedom for excellence. There's an end goal, which I mean I think we've lost in general in our society is a real end goal, not just like to feel temporary satisfaction. Do you think we've later. lost that? Uh, I think in a lot of ways, yes. Our 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 end goal had well, maybe we haven't lost necessarily an end goal, but we've reduced our end goal so much from an eternal concept of you know what we are created for to a very temporal whatever we want. Yeah, I mean, I think the irony is is that we're actually just dreaming too small now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like, yeah. So, but that's the thing is when we raise that that dream, that goal, what we're made for, up to what it should be, God in eternity with God, then, well, now there's things that are opposed to that end goal. Yeah. Does that mean that it restricts my freedom? Like, no. You become more free because you're more free to be as you were made to be. It's like. Uh, uh, if you use a toaster to wash your car, <laughs> you're you're not free to wash your car well or to toast bread well. Like it's not things aren't being used for what they're they're made for, and like so there therefore there's a restriction, a, a very real restriction that like it is impossible to to fulfill what these things were made for. Um, and it's, you know, we as humans, we, we are created for something extraordinary. And so there is a path that is best for that. There is things that are best for that. And so if we see freedom in that sense, then obedience becomes extremely freeing. Because in the end, obedience has to be, kind of like I was saying earlier, has to be union with the will of God. It's to unite your will to the will of God. It's subordinating your own kind of like personal godness to God himself and trusting the authority that's been given to you. Okay, so in that context then, what should we become obedient to? Because, uh, I mean, I think the obvious answer is, well, we should just subordinate ourselves to God's will, which is obviously the case, you know. Yep, yep. But there are, like, the promises of priestly obedience are to, to a, a particular bishop. man, yep. you know, and, yep. a, and so a marriage, marriage to a particular yep. woman or a particular man and to and a religious order to a particular abbot or abbess, you know. Yeah. So, how, yeah, how do you justify 
are, is that person God now? Like, <laughs> is, is that... That is a really great question that, that kind of so, comes up. Why I ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, first of all, I think that that really shows the, uh, the personal relationship with God. There's no cookie-cutter mm. path to our end goal. Nice, like, we, we yeah. each have our own path. We each have our own vocation that we're called mm-hmm. to. And then we think of vocation as just, should I be a priest? Should I be married? Should I be single? Should I be religious? But it's like, no, no, vocation is so much more in the sense that vocation is who I'm called to be at every moment at, of every day, you know, giving myself to God, loving God entirely. There's, there's nothing that isn't involved in our vocation, yeah. our full vocation, but there's levels of it. Um, but, uh, so yeah, does that make that particular person God or who, who do we choose? Well, that involves discernment. You know, how do we discern who, how God is giving us authority to be followed? Um, that kind of that that was a confusing statement. I don't understand. Uh, How God is giving us authority to be followed. Who should we submit to? I mean, it's a question. Like, yeah. who should we submit to? Because are they going to be God? No. Are they going to be perfect? No. Yeah. And that's when it gets really complicated. Yeah. But um, they still have been given authority. It's. I mean, you go back to the Bible. Jesus, talking to Pontius Pilate. Uh, Pontius Pilate says, do you not know that I have the authority to to kill you or to let you go? And Jesus says, you wouldn't have any of that authority if it didn't come from God. Pretty much like, I have given you this authority. Mm -hmm. Um, And Pontius Pilate kills him. He chooses to kill him. That seems like the wrong choice. Um, So yeah, how do we we justify this? Okay, God is calling us to be obedient to an imperfect person person what shouldn't we just have this direct obedience to the will of god yeah i, I don't i don't necessarily do you have an, an answer to this i don't i don't well, know I mean, how to say this right now yeah i mean i think it goes back to my example with focus right like part of part of living life well or living life where we're conforming ourselves to the will of god is is discernment Right, yeah. like is yeah. learning how to know myself and know how God is speaking to me, so that I can then give myself away. Right, it's your self knowledge, self acceptance, and self gift. Good. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the process, at least for me in focus, and then now in seminary, was, you know, all right, here I am, where my will is coming up against the wall, you know, of the will of someone else who I've, you know, I've given myself to be in obedience to, you know, um, whose will wins out, you know, and, and the answer is the person whose will I've given myself in obedience to, you know, because, and the answer always has to go back to, because God is calling me to be here, you know, um, and I think, and and it has been in the past, like a, a prayer. Okay, well, this is hard. Is yeah. this a call for me to not be here then? You know, like, is, yeah. is this a sign that I've discerned poorly or that my discernment, like, this season is over kind of thing? Um, 
Yeah, and I, and I think those are valid questions, but ultimately it comes down to God has called me to be here, and these are the people that he's placed me under, and so I have to trust that even if I um, you know, disagree, that if I do disagree, I should make my opinions charitably known, yeah. you know, but that ultimately like, I'm called to submit myself to... Yeah, to those I've been entrusted to. Yeah. So, yeah. But I also have, uh, and, and maybe I'm wrong to say this, but I also have the obligation to make sure that they, like, that that I voice, you know, yeah, that you're a trying problem. to help them lead well. Yeah, because otherwise yeah. you fall into this trap of, well, well, I think internally people can fall into the trap of they're leading me poorly and they don't know how to lead me. And it's like, yeah. well, how are they supposed to know how to lead you if you aren't like yeah. giving them any sort of feedback? But at the same time, it's like, but they don't have to take your feedback, you know? Yeah, so like yeah. it's a, it's a vulnerability issue, but that's, that's a total, that's but a different topic. But so. that makes it, that makes it a real sacrifice and thing, oh, yeah. is of, of like, cause there's times, not all, not every time, but there are times when it is, Better to be obedient than to be. This sounds wrong, but I think it's right. It's better to be obedient than to be right. Yeah. Of like, this might not be the best way, but like obedience is a virtue in itself that should be pursued. Yeah. Um. Uh, like I remember, I forget who it was, but there was some saint, uh, that maybe they're not a saint yet. But anyways, they. The, their sister was part of a religious order and the religious order said, okay, well, we're not going to wear habits anymore. Mm-hmm. And the sister was like, no, that's wrong. I, I'm going to wear my habit. I'm not doing this. And whoever this saint was or whatever this holy person said, it's better to be obedient. I agree with you. Like, yeah. You, you, yeah, you should be wearing habits. But it is more virtuous and better to be obedient in this case than to be wearing a habit, which is better. Like obedience is a very, it's a very high virtue. Yeah. Now we don't think of it like that because we've been trained to think that that's not the case. But um, well, and and also because there's different kinds of obedience and different levels to which you should be obedient to someone, yeah. right? So even in that context, right? Like whoever whoever the person was, like had vowed and discerned a monastic level yeah. of obedience. So they had they had vowed their corporality. <laughs> yeah, their to, bodily obedience. Yeah, to their superior, right? Yeah. And so the, to dissent in that way is to go against their vows to some yeah. degree, you know? Yeah, and so that's um which is contrary to your discernment, so it bubbles right back up, you know. But at the same time then you can if you if you don't qualify it like that, then you can make the argument of okay, well, you know everything our political leaders say or everything my mayor says or my boss says or whatever. Like they're the people who've who've been in they've been entrusted with me, and so I just have to sort of yeah, yeah. look down and not stand up for myself when I disagree. And um, yeah, there's got to be a line. Yeah, so, or priorities, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, but I mean, I mean, even, like, you know, yeah, there there has to be a line where, like, your bishop can't tell you to do something that is 
morally wrong. Yeah. You know, yeah. if your bishop comes to you and says, "Hey, you have to uh, kill this person," like obedience isn't like, "Well, that God has put this person in charge <laughs> of me. Uh, I'm supposed to submit my will to their will, and that's submitting to the will of God." So I'm going to do this. No. Okay. Whoa. No, no, no. That's just become doing whatever they tell you. And that's not necessarily obedience because like I said earlier, I think obedience has to be this conformity to the will of God. Yeah. And so like the will of God will never be immoral. It will never go against what is right. But at the same time, you, what's important to know is that you are not, the ultimate judge of that, because then you, there's no real obedience. So there's this tension between, like, okay, what is like you said, I have I have to let them know um, that so that they can lead well. But there's this tension between like, well, I think they're wrong, and well, I I have to trust that God has is leading me in this. So, do you think obedience is one way, like one sided? Because the way we're portraying it, it sounds like it's one. It's very one-sided. Yeah. Uh, no, it shouldn't be. I think marriage is a great example of that. Of like, for obedience to function properly, both sides have to be trying to uh, conform their will to the will of God. Oh, okay. Yeah. I so like that. I like the way that you elevated it like that. Yeah. Um, so like, it's yeah. easier to see in marriage because you're both on the same level. Yeah. But I think it applies. It so how does that work in our leadership? Yeah. Or like even between a pastor and, you know, parishioners or like is, yeah. is a pastor supposed to be like obedient to his parishioners? Is it only from the bottom up or does it go top no. down? Yeah. I mean, both ways. I think the pastor should be obedient to his parishioners in a sense, yeah. but they also should be obedient to him. Like you, you have to be able to trust your pastor and say, this is who God has put here. Yeah. But also he has to say, you know, these are the people that God has put me with and entrusted their care to me. And so, like, I can't just do whatever I want willy-nilly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I am not God. Yeah. Um, but, again, both, for that to work out well, both sides have to be trying to conform their will to the will of God. And I think that that's what we see so much with this like struggle in politics today that's just become emotion and hatred and just like yeah. yell at each other. Like, if you don't have this ultimate will to be conformed to, then it's just each side trying to assert their dominance. Yeah, or make the most convincing argument. Or, yeah. You know, like. But I mean, that doesn't happen that much anymore. Well, it's just yelling. It's just, yeah. I mean, it does. But well, I mean, it's it's the most convincing emotional argument. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it's but it's uh, a yeah. So it's it, it's like there there needs to be this sense of both sides conforming their will to the will of God. But there's still real obedience. For example, the book we're reading right now for class, the In the Shadow of His mm-hmm. Wings. Mm-hmm. That guy is a seminarian, a Franciscan who's going to become a priest on his way to becoming a priest, who gets forced into the Nazi army in mm-hmm. Germany and is a part of... He's an officer in the SS. Like, that's... What's going on there? <laughs> he's being obedient to the government. Yeah, but he... But, but it's never to, at the expense of, like, 
It's faith. It's prioritized, right? Exactly. So like, and and it would be worth reading the book, dear listener. <laughs> uh, yeah, in the shadow of his wings. Um, Great book. Yeah, what the even even out of obedience for the war and like the nationalism and and the pride in his country and the pride of being German, you know, like he allows himself to sort of give that up for the sake of joining the military, uh, for being drafted into the SS or move, I I don't know, acquired into the SS. Um, but all throughout it, like he's running up against opposition from those who are technically above him, but his priorities say that, you know, God is first. Yeah. So if it's contrary to, kind of what you're saying of like if a bishop tells you to <laughs> kill someone right yeah. like that that's contrary to your first call and that's yeah. to love the lord your god um and so if it's contrary to his call as a seminarian who's you know forming his life to love god and conform himself to god's will then he <laughs> voiced it and i stood up for it and yeah um and he was still part of the ss which yeah. is just crazy you know uh, it's a really incredible story, but yeah. I I think you're totally right to draw that connection. Like he does obedience so well. Yeah, um, he he has a line, but he doesn't just say, "Well, they're doing bad things, so I have absolutely no obedience to them." He says, "Like I will be obedient in as far as it doesn't oppose the will of God." But yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. At the end, he like they're ordering him to pretty much walk into a death trap which doesn't end up killing him, but um, but he does it. He's like, okay, I've been ordered. Got to do it. Yeah. Um, whoa, uh, that's crazy. And it works out great. He gets ordained because of it. But <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's just crazy. I don't know. Obedience is a, is a tough one. It's really tough for us, but I think that's one of the reasons it's so important for priests to be good examples of obedience because it's so hard for us today. Well, I mean, like... I don't know. Like I keep, I keep thinking about it in the context of marriage Yeah. because the reality is, is that there's like, there's no, this is a bold statement. There's no life worth living. That's not obedient. Yeah. Ooh, big statement. Um, And as I think about it, I, I don't take it back. Um, no life worth living. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty It's bold, but... you know. I mean, you should caveat it with every life is, like, valuable because it. it is. Yeah, yeah. But, like, that any any life that's going to have, like, meaning and worth... Oh, no, worth. that's wrong. <laughs> any Any life that has, like, true meaning and, like, this sort of... Virtue and valor... Virtue, excitement, engagement to the fullest. I came to give you life so that you can live Fittingness it. Fittingness yeah. of like what life was made to be. Is going to have obedience. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah. So I think you have to caveat it. So, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I think Every right. vocation has it. And, I mean, it's so... Like you said, though... It, the crazy thing is it's so hard to do. Yeah. But when it's done it is so freeing. It's like it just it just seems it's you're paradoxical. Like, that's why it it's really like is, yeah. it's you know, when people ask me about it, it's like, Oh, you're gonna do whatever the bishop tells you. It's like I feel like I need to 
defend it, but only to them, not to me. Yeah. I'm not like, well, I could tell them it's bad. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, thank God. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Is that not wonderful uh, that I will be obedient? Yeah, it's a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah. It really is a beautiful it's thing. thing. It's a tough thing, but but it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I think marriage, though, you're right. Like, I think, honestly, there's a lot more frequent obedience in marriage than in the priesthood. Yeah. Um, like, you have big things. But it's like small obedience. Yeah, yeah. You have big like things in the priesthood, like you're moving. Death by a thousand cuts. Exactly. But yeah. marriage is like, he left his toothbrush on the counter. Yeah. And Again. I'm gonna just put Again. it. I'm gonna put it back. I'm not gonna say anything. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Marriage He's washing his car with a toaster again. Yeah, gosh, I'm told him that. I'll drive, and I'll still drive him to the hospital. <laughs> What's plugged in? <laughs> Come on. Well, it's just to make the water warm. <laughs> I have a water warmer. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. But no, there's uh, yeah, obedience. It's a big thing. You got to think about it. You got to think about it, listeners. How are you obedient? How should you be obedient? Uh, Where are the areas that you're doing what you're told, but very begrudgingly and not really living out obedience joyfully? Because I think that's another caveat. For it to be done well, it has to be joyful obedience. I think the the first question is, are you where God's calling you to be? And have you thought about that? Because hope so. if not, then that's that's the first question. Yeah, start there. <laughs> start there. But yes, I think you're right. Joyful obedience is is key, especially yep. in the face of obedience that you don't want to to follow up on. <laughs> so. Yeah, obedience uh, is easy if they completely agree with you. Yeah, it's also very boring. Okay. All righty. Well, we have wondered and we have wandered. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, yep. Think about all that stuff. And may all of your wonders be blessed. God bless.